So, um, you know, I don't, to the dads here, and again, remember that I'm talking to moms and I'm talking to single folk. I'm talking to all of you who are following Jesus. But, you know, to the dads, let me ask you a question. Like, when you think about being a dad, like, what kind of dad are you? Or what kind of dad, like, have you dreamt of being? Or what kind of dad, like, if you're, if you're a guy and, and you're hopeful that being a father in the future is part of, you know, your life, like, what kind of dad are you? Are, are you uh, an active dad? Are you a dad? You know, do you, do you have dreams of being a dad that's really involved with your kids or teaching your kids? Or like, you know, what are the characteristics of fatherhood that you either are or maybe you aren't or you dream about? What are those characteristics? Um, I think that's like a really powerful and important question that as fathers, we've got to constantly be asking ourselves. And I would go as far as to say, asking people close to us, go, what kind of dad am I? What are the character, like what, when you look at me as a father, how, do, how like what are the characteristics you would use to, de- to define me as a father? Because I think for, I hope all of us as dads, like I hope we all want to be Good fathers. You know, fathers that show up in our families, fathers that lead in our families, fathers that lead by example. Um, but how many of you would, when th- sort of quickly reflecting on those questions, would say, I want to be a praying father? I want to be a father that, re- that prays for my kids really prays for my kids. Like, I want to be a father that as my kids grow, they, 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 would, they would articulate that I saw my dad pray, praying for me. I experienced my dad praying for me. Like, when, when your kids, your wife, or family define you or describe you as a father, one of the things they say is, he, he's a praying father. That's my challenge to the fathers here this morning. What if you were a praying father? What sort of effect could that have on you, your children, and your family? We're um, gonna step out of the book of Galatians for a week. We're gonna jump into another letter that Paul wrote um, to the church in Colossae. It's called Colossians. And at the beginning of this letter, um, that, he, that he's writing to this church community, he says this in Colossians 1, verses 9 through 12. He says this, for this reason, and he, he's sort of starting his letter with thanksgiving about, about um, the people there and their acceptance of the gospel of Jesus Christ. So he goes on to say, for this reason, since the day we heard about you, we have not stopped praying for you. We continually ask God to fill you with the knowledge of his will through all the wisdom and understanding that the spirit gives so that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and please him in every way, bearing fruit in good work, in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might so that you, have, you may have great endurance and patience and giving joyful thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of his holy people in the kingdom of light. Now I want to read for you um, the guy that I actually studied under, um, New Testament scholar Scott McKnight, just came out with a book where he um, 
interpreted. He's, he, this, this is a dude who, I'm so glad I don't pastor his church. He, he's fluent in Greek. He can, you know, read it, speak it, all the things. So when he goes to church, he, you know, like we're walking in with English Bibles, you know, like he goes in with the Greek New Testament. It's all Greek. Can you imagine? Like I, I imagine him coming in and sitting and then I look at him while I'm preaching and there's the bro reading the original text in the original language and I'm trying to preach to the guy, like daunting, but incredible. Like, so anyways, he has come out with a book called The Second, Test, the Second Testament, um, and it is a literal translation of, of the entire New Testament. So I want to read his, just his, his interpretation, um, just to kind of help us. Just, and I'm not, I didn't put it on the screen, so just listen to it. So this is the same verse um, that's kind of coming from the literal Greek. Because this is true, we also, since the day we, the day we heard, don't stop praying and asking for you, that you may be filled out with the perception of his plan in all wisdom and spirit-prompted understanding. I love that. Spirit-prompted understanding. We're to live lives that are spirit-prompted, listening to the spirit, going where the spirit tells us to go. That's what he's saying. To walk around deserving of the Lord in all pleasing producing good fruit in every good work and growing in perceiving God in all power, empowering in a manner consistent with his splendorous grip for all resilience and patience. I love that, that God's strong grip is on our lives. With joy, thanking the Father who made us adequate for the devoted one's part in the inheritance in his light. So, four things I want to run by you today. One is this. When should you pray for your kids? Colossians 1, 9. And so from the day we heard, we have not, so not ceased to pray for you. Some of you, I mean, you probably pray for your kids a lot. Um, others of you, you probably, if you're like honest, would admit that uh, you don't. Your prayer life, prayer life is maybe dry. Um, prayer maybe is seen as difficult, challenging, uh, or, or boring. And I would say that's not to make you feel bad or shame you. For a lot of people, that sadly, that is their experience, but God's calling you to something better. And prayer isn't, prayer doesn't, isn't and doesn't have to be those things. But what often happens, and I'm guilty of this, is um, our prayers like as fathers can feel like these Hail Marys. Like they're, they're almost purely reactionary to things going on in our children's lives. And we sort of throw up a Hail Mary like the end of the football game. And we just sort of say, God, please do this. God, please change this. Like God, please show up in my kids' stupid decisions. You know, like, like do something here. Change something. And we, we sort of squint our eyes and we beg God to protect our children and make, help them make good decisions and pray that God shows up um, in the midst of the dumb thing that they got themselves into or for traveling mercies or to make you know, good decisions. And like, here's the truth. These are not bad prayers. I'm not saying that. These are very good prayers. And you should pray these types of prayers. But godly dads, there are bigger prayers to be prayed. Paul prayed all of the time, he said, for the, for the believers in Colossae. He did not stop praying. There was a fervency in him 
There was a fire in his belly that like, I pray for you continually always. He's not, he's not saying literally always, but a lot. He's not throwing up Hail Marys at the end of the football game, hoping God shows up late in the game and, and you know, helps us win. Like he's praying. He's disciplined to pray. He wants to pray for the believers in Colossae. He doesn't stop. And like Paul's refusal to stop praying for the believers in Colossae, we as fathers, like Paul, should constantly be praying for our kids. It's great to be a dad who's active, who's teaching your kids, who's playing with your kids, taking care of your kids. It's great to be a dad that shows up and is present. But you gotta be a praying dad too. You gotta set time, not just to spend time with your kids, but to pray for your kids. So when should you pray for your kids? Continually. What should you pray for your kids? This is a, this is a really interesting question because I think for a lot, of the, a lot of us, the prayers are often like, you know, protect them. Great prayer, you know, protect them. Um, that they'd succeed in life, succeed in school. Um, score in sports, make the teams, you know, do well in sports, get the scholarship, have great friends, don't do stupid stuff, don't do drugs, you know, like all that's all, like those are important prayers. Um, but those are, when you think about it, it's a lot of physical stuff. It's a lot of worldly stuff. And it's interesting because what does is, what is Paul pray for the, the church in Colossae? You know, this was during a time when there's a lot of suffering and persecution in the early church. And he doesn't even pray for their deliverance. He's like not praying for their, their, physical, like their physical, physical nature. Like if I'm getting that letter and we're getting pressed on all sides and like we're worried about the like Romans or somebody coming in and killing us for our faith, like I'm going, Paul, you're praying for the wrong, like pray for our protection, pray for our deliverance, pray that God comes in and slays our enemies. And yet look at what he says. He's praying continually, verse 19b, second part goes, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding. All those things, protection, um, being successful, um, being uh, successful in school or sports or in life, getting scholarships, like having great friends. All, all those prayers are important, but Paul's like sort of calling us to even greater things to pray for our children. And I wonder if, if we're constantly just praying for those sort of physical worldly things, are we missing out on bigger things? Like we think those are the big prayers and, and in some ways they are, but like are, are, are there even bigger prayers? I mean, do you pray for your kids' spiritual maturity and their deep knowledge of God and God's will in your life? Because what if God's will in their life is not to be a professional athlete? The chances are that it's not for most of your kids. Sorry, maybe one of you. <laughs> that's, and that's not me being cynical. That's me just look, saying, look at the stats. Maybe God's will is not for your kid to get a scholarship 
you know? But we jump past the will of God into the sort of desires that we want for our kids or like even I would say as parents, we go and we go, fill in what we didn't get through my kid, you know? But Paul's like, no, you need to pr like pray for spiritual maturity, pray for a, a hunger for your child to serve and follow Jesus, to have a knowledge of God and for them to understand and see God's will for their life. Because some of your children, God's gonna call to, to be lay leaders in the church, some maybe to the mission field, some to be pastors, some to be business leaders, some to be teachers, some to be plumbers. And regardless, the will of God, God's plan is to use them wherever God brings them. But the truth is, there's not much physical stuff here that Paul's praying for. And it's not that Paul didn't care about the physical stuff. It's just that we must consider a higher standard of prayer when it comes to our children. These are verses all about spiritual growth and development as a better believer, as a better disciple, as a better follower of Jesus. Paul's saying, I, I want you to know God's will for your life and I want that to control you and lead you. That is gonna be the best life for your children. Knowledge alone about stuff in this world is not gonna cut it. Even success in the eyes of this world will not guarantee your children's happiness. We must know God and do God's word. We must put God's word into practice in our lives. His word should control us as believers and guide us and lead us as believers. And don't we want that for not only ourselves, but our children? Pray about it. Add spiritual maturity. Prayers for spiritual maturity and godliness and knowledge of God and a child's desire uh, to follow God's will and seek out God's will in their life. Third question, why should you pray for your kids? Listen to verse 10 through 12. So as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might for all endurance and patience with joy, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in life. We should be begging God that our kids' actions match up with what they say they are in Christ, that they would live lives that are fully pleasing to him. How is that? How are we pleasing to God? By bearing fruit, increasing in the knowledge of God, increasing in our love of God, being strengthened by God for endurance and patience. I mean, Paul is praying for deeply spiritual things for these people to help them really navigate life. He's not praying for their safety necessarily, their protection, for, um, for them to have lives that are really fun and exciting and, and pleasurable and safe. He's not, he's like, look, life, you know, I was just talking to somebody earlier today. I go, you know, one of the things we get caught up, I think, as, as parents these days is we're, we're just, we're trying to give our, life, our kids the, most, the safest lives possible, just scrubbed clean and sanitized, protecting them from everything out there. 
And look, your role as a parent, your role as a father is to protect your children. 100%, 100%. But you've also got to teach them how to respond to conflict, suffering, pain, and tragedy. I was listening to Jordan Peterson in an interview when he was a professor, there was a student who was tragically killed in a car accident. And he talked about, you know, obviously the, the reaction is gonna be grief and shock and pain and sadness. But he said it was like 10X amongst the college students. Like complete, like it, it, he said it was just on another level of grief and shock and despair. And he realized it was because these children had never experienced death in their life. Their parents had shielded them from every conversation of death, never brought them to the funeral of a loved one, kept them at home. They had never seen or experienced death. They tried to just hide it in the shadows. And then when it, when it came leaping out at them, they didn't know how to respond. They're completely shell-shocked from a reality that is, that is the future of every single one of us. And I just wonder, not just with death, but in a lot of areas of life as parents, we're just like trying to create clean, sanitized lives. And the reality is like, you know, we talk about Jesus leading us out. We gotta teach our kids how to stand up in their faith, how to take it on the chin as a Christian, to, to take risks for the kingdom to live lives that are full of courage because Jesus is gonna call them out if they decide to follow him. And at times they're gonna stand alone. At times they're gonna get made fun of for their faith. At times they're gonna experience suffering and they will certainly experience death. And if they've just had a safe, protected, sanitized, like false reality of real life presented to them and shielded, they're gonna have no idea how to respond. They're gonna be completely shell-shocked. And this is what Paul is praying. He's not praying for all this stuff. He's praying like safety and all this other stuff that we all want. He's praying that they, that they would have a deep, something deeper and more powerful that would help them respond to life when life is turned upside down. Life's tough. It's gonna to be tough for our children. But we need to pray that God gives them the endurance that they need to keep going, to not give up, to take risks, to have the courage to step out and to be patient when we need to wait on God. We need peace and patience as we wait and ask God for help. What's the point? Paul's letter and the band can make their way up. Paul's letter was basically telling his readers, hey, you're doing great, keep it up, keep going. But here's some areas I hope you improve. And I wanna say dads, most of you I know are doing awesome. You're doing great, you're doing the best you can. And you're falling short at times, yeah, welcome to the club, we all do. You're not gonna be a perfect dad. But you're, you're, you're trying hard to be a better dad. And I commend you, keep Keep working at it. Keep showing up. But start praying for your kids every day. And add in to all the physical kind of um, cultural things, deep spiritual prayers of maturity and vision 
endurance and patience and godly maturity. What might happen if you prayed for your kids like Paul in these verses? Make it as a dad your mission to be a praying father and to pray for your kids. This is next level godly dad stuff we're talking about. Do it. You get 18 years, man, and it goes by fast. Like we're inching, me and Kristen are inching close, it's hard to believe, to the halfway point with our son. You know? I want to, you know, I've messed up so much, I've failed every day. But man, I want to be, I want to be, I want next level godly dad stuff. And praying like this is it. Ask your child today, dads, when you're sitting around having your steak or whatever for Father's Day, what do you want? How can you pray for your, your daughter? Ask her, go Laney, how can I pray for you? Jonas, how can I pray for you? Then pray for them right on the spot. Boom, you just pointed your child to God. God wins. Next level godly dad stuff. Let's stand together. Jesus, thank you. We love you. Um, thanks that we can come to you in all circumstances. We pray against the lies that prayer is, is religious, that prayer is um, hard or confusing or boring. Lift us out of that to something that's greater and better. And I pray, God, for our children in this church, that you would, you would lead them into spiritual maturity, that they would know the will that you have for their lives, that, that you would give them the patience and endurance in seasons that are difficult, that you would give them a sort of ruggedness and a ruthlessness to continue to follow you, Jesus, despite what they see or feel, and fill them with the knowledge of the Spirit of God so that every good work that you've planned for them before they were born would come to life for your kingdom and your glory. In Jesus' name, amen.